This is In the Trenches, Broadcast 13. Welcome to In the Trenches, where entrepreneurs, artists, writers, designers, inventors, warriors, and leaders share their stories of doing the hard, creative work that impacts all of our lives. Let the journey inspire you to do something worthwhile, build something bold, and create your life's work. And now, your host, Tom Morgus. Welcome, everyone, to another broadcast of In the Trenches. Today's guest is a friend of mine and one of my major inspirations for creating my own podcast, John Lee Dumas. John is the founder and host of Entrepreneur on Fire, a daily podcast that interviews today's most inspiring and successful entrepreneurs. He's also the author of the hugely successful ebook, Podcast Launch, a step-by-step podcasting guide, including 15 video tutorials. John is an ex-Army officer who served eight years in the Army, including a tour in Iraq. And when John transitioned out of the military, he worked at some great jobs, but as he put it, he wasn't able to find his passion. And that's when Entrepreneur on Fire was born. In the past year, John has grown his podcast from zero to 175,000 and counting unique downloads every month. For those who aren't familiar with metrics for podcasting, this number is pretty insane. So it's just a testament to John's work ethic and creative ingenuity. So John, thank you so much for being here with us today. Tom, I couldn't be more excited. I'm ready to set this place on fire. So let's take off. Awesome. Yeah, I was just going to ask you if you're ready to ignite. <laughs> oh, man. Well, yes, I'm ready to light this place on fire. So, John, tell us a little bit about yourself. I, I you know, hit some of the, maybe the highlights, but uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and what brought you to podcasting in particular. Yeah, well, thanks for that great introduction. It really did nail a lot of my key points. And thank you for the opportunity to be on your show. I'm really looking forward to chatting with your audience today. But You know, basically, I'm just a country boy from the state of Maine. The first 18 years of my life, I grew up in a really small town. Then I went to college on a ROTC scholarship and Mm -hmm. Providence College, specifically in Rhode Island. And then when I graduated, I was commissioned as a second lieutenant. Spent the next eight years as an officer, four years active, four years in the reserves. And I did have that that 13-month tour of duty in Iraq, as you mentioned. And then I did try a bunch of different stuff. I tried corporate finance. I tried real estate, both commercial and residential. I joined a tech startup, but nothing was really passionate to me. But there was one thing that I was doing a lot, and that was spending time in a car, driving to work, driving to appointments, hitting the gym on the treadmill, listening to just continuously listening to content, whether it be radio or what have you. But finally, in 2009, I was introduced to podcasts and I fell in love immediately. I loved the fact that they were on demand, passionate, targeted content that I could just literally pick up and take with me wherever I went. No more commercials, no more Miley Cyrus. And I just, (laughs) I was, I was pumped and I was hooked, Tom. And literally I just, I was just a huge fan for three years. And it wasn't until June of 2012 that I had my little aha moment. And that was Entrepreneur on Fire. I realized, you know what? I just ran out of content today, and my favorite podcasts aren't coming out with new content for another week. There's got to be other people like myself out there who drive to work every day, who go to the gym every single day, who are looking to consume content every single day on certain levels. And I created Entrepreneur on Fire on that premises, and it's been a great journey ever since. You've already mentioned some numbers. 
Um, 175,000 unique downloads was my March numbers. April came in at over 200,000 unique downloads. Holy and cow. for May, I'm trying to break 250. So, I mean, I'm psyched. It's been an incredible journey and I've really enjoyed it. Oh, that's incredible. Yeah, no, I'm definitely one of those people that uh, appreciates content uh, all the time, every day if possible. So you're definitely filling that void for me. So I appreciate that. You're welcome. Yeah, so now why podcasting? Like I know you you mentioned that you enjoyed consuming it. So I guess my question then is, did you know that you would ever be a person who would be speaking for a living, so to speak? No. I guess, because that's essentially what podcasting is. Absolutely. That's exactly what it is. And now I'm spending, it's seeming, it seems like all of my waking hours on the microphone, because besides doing eight to 10 interviews sure. for Entrepreneur on Fire a week, I'm actually giving six to seven interviews on other people's shows per week at this point. So I'm definitely spending my fair share of time behind a microphone talking. And it was never something that I knew I was going to get into. It wasn't a passion that I was born with. It wasn't something that I was working towards. I wasn't a communications major in college. I was an American mm -hmm. studies, I was an American studies history major. So mm -hmm. I it was never something that I knew I was going to drive towards. But again, sometimes these aha moments just hit you out of nowhere. I realized that there was a void in the marketplace and that I could fill it. And I also knew that when I started, I was not going to be good because I had no experience. I had no skills. Sure. And I mean, go back and listen to episode 15. Go back and listen to episode 30. They were crappy episodes on some levels because I sucked as a, as a host. I had great guests, fortunately, and they carried me through. But as a host, as an interviewer, I was not good. But I kept at it. I was just persistent. Now I've done over 220 interviews and man, I feel like I'm starting to hit my stride. Believe me, I know I still have a lot of improvements on a lot of different levels, but when you do something that much, that Malcolm Gladwell tipping point of 10,000 hours, yep. you're bound to improve. Absolutely. I was just going to mention that you're well on your way to your 10,000 hours, so to speak. <laughs> That's very interesting. So that essentially from where you stood uh, or or sat in your car when you um, figured out there's this huge wide open, uh, you know, this void in the marketplace for something like this. It's specifically hitting the um, the world of entrepreneurs, right? Because you didn't just start off just, oh, I'm going to podcast about something. You knew exactly who you were targeting, which was essentially yourself. Is that correct? Exactly. And that's one thing I always like encourage people to do when they're starting their ventures. Who is your avatar? What is your ideal client? Who's your target market? And for me, fortunately, I was my avatar. I was who I wanted to be reaching, the kind of people like myself who were commuting daily, who were looking for content daily because they were hitting the gym or walking their dog or whatever they were doing on a daily basis where they were looking to consume actionable content that was going to inspire, motivate, and it's worked out pretty well. Yeah, I think it's incredible. Not only are you providing some really interesting uh, interviews with some incredible people, but uh, just I, just looking at the numbers, you know, and, and and looking at the names of the guests that you've had on, and it just all, all about it is it, it's really inspiring. And I mentioned in the beginning that inspired me to uh, to pursue podcasting, uh, not on on the same level, not at all, but in my own little way, kind of hitting the creativity gap, um, which is what this podcast is all about in the trenches to kind of target, um, you know, creative entrepreneurs essentially which you you definitely fit that um that mold right there because you did you did just that you took something that you were passionate about you found this niche and you 
you, you filled it. You filled this gap that was that was uh, that existed in the marketplace, and you've done a great job at it. So I guess that's why it's impressive. But then also beyond that too, you mentioned all the interviews you're doing for other podcasts, probably not without warrant, right? I mean, it, it, it's funny because I remember listening to one of your original episodes, probably around like number ten or something, is when I I jumped on board the uh, the entrepreneur on, on fire bandwagon, <laughs> fire nation. And, yeah, Fire Nation, exactly. And uh, and I, I was like, wow, you know, I, I don't know where you already had some, some great guests, and we're we're picking up steam. And I was kind of like blown away that you were so new to the scene because I was like, these are really good, Im- impressive guests, and really good interviews. And yeah, sure enough, I mean, a few, it seems like a few short months later, and you're already pro- essentially probably number one in the in the business podcasting world. I I don't know, I haven't done my research in that. I'm sure you probably um no better than i do but it seems like you're you you have to be competitive for the number one spot oh absolutely like, myself yeah. and pat flynn are really one and two when it comes to podcasts in the business section in itunes for mm-hmm. your non-corporate i mean you have like your wall street journals and your sure. apn marketplace and your jim kramers and you know though they're normally in the number one you know in the top 10 spots but myself and pat flynn are are two examples of people who are always in the top 10 um, who run, who are people that just run their own podcast. I just have a little studio in Portland, Maine here where I'm just talking to a microphone and it's just me. You know, it's not like I have this big corporation built around me and this big team and this well-known name. It's just me. And it's just really exciting to, to, for the listeners to realize that, you know, it just takes an idea, passion in the internet these days to really get yourself out there. Because prior to launching Entrepreneur on Fire, which didn't go live till September 20th, I mm-hmm. had never even touched a toe into the online world. I had no network, no connections. Yep. And since that launch date, I've had incredible success. I've talked to some of the top entrepreneurs in the world. Yep. I have a top-ranked business podcast, getting over 200,000 unique downloads in over 145 countries. I've been asked to speak at Blog World, New Media Expo, .com Expo, Agents of Change, just some incredible conferences to talk about what I've done. And it's all been in such a short period of time in less than seven months. And one of the craziest things right now is, you know, a lot of people always ask, John, how do you monetize? How are you making money? Like what's going on here? And, you know, for me, that wasn't one of my top priorities when I launched and I never made it a priority. My priority was always to inspire millions and to provide value first. And I knew things would follow. I didn't know they're going to follow this quick though. And I mean, sure enough, just this past April, April 1st, so the start of Q2, I was approached by major sponsors. We're talking Audible, LegalZoom, mm-hmm. 99 Designs, Squarespace. And they were saying, John, we want to sponsor Entrepreneur on Fire. We want to reach your audience. You've developed such a massive audience with such a great connection. And so they purchased my entire Q2, April, May, and June, of all my sponsorship slots, all 180 slots that were available. They've purchased to the tune of just under $13,000 a month. So just six months from my launch date, I've turned Entrepreneur on Fire from a business that wasn't even supposed to be a business that was earning money initially to a six-figure annual income, and it's just been quite the journey. Holy cow. Yeah, I appreciate you giving us those numbers too because it just goes to show you what is possible, especially with the right mindset, which it sounds like you have, coming at it from the right angle of, of identifying what the what the gap is that can be filled or what the problem is that you can solve. Well, the takeaway here is the audience. Once you build a large enough audience, great things are going to happen. And you're going to build a large audience Mm -hmm. by just providing incredible content on a consistent basis. And that's what I try to do with Entrepreneur on Fire. And once I was able to get that massive audience, 
people started coming to me. And so that's been really what's fun is that now, you know, now that you have a momentum and a business that's kind of rolling down the hill and it has that momentum, you can just sit back and let opportunities come your way. Yeah. And that actually, I wasn't going to ask this question. So you just brought that up, but it's a, it, it begs the question, how do you now choose what projects you want to take on? It's not easy because again, there's so many different things and so many different angles that you can go in this online entrepreneurial world. I like to call it the bright, shiny object syndrome where there's yeah. just so many things you can be seeing and chasing and you know, the next Pinterest just came out and the next this and the next that and you know, should I start dedicating my time and effort to it? Well, what it comes down to is find your focus, find your niche, really niche down to something that you want to be known for, that you want to be great at. If I just come out with Entrepreneur Fire and said, you know what, I want to have incredible social media, I want to blog, I want to do this, I want to do that, and then I want to have a podcast, but because I'm doing all these different things, I can only do a weekly podcast, you know, I'm sure things would have been good and I would have had a fun time doing it and stuff, but then I would have just been another weekly podcast. But I said, you know what, I'm going to have laser sharp focus, I'm going to put my blinders on, I'm going to be the only podcast that comes out and does a daily show with incredible and inspiring entrepreneurs. And so, so quickly because of that, I became known as Entrepreneur on Fire, the guy that's doing a daily show. He's crazy. He's going to burn out in like 10 seconds. And when I did a burnout and things kept going, the momentum kept rolling down the hill, then I just became known for that podcast and that the name just mm -hmm. kept coming out and blogs started talking about me and podcasts, other podcasts started having me on as guests and I was speaking at conferences and that is how I got big. Not because I tried to do everything good, but because I tried to do one thing great. Man, I love that message. <laughs> Two points. One, just the laser focus. I completely agree. I think that's wonderful. It's actually just thinking about that makes me want to reevaluate re where I'm headed because on the other hand, which is the other thought I had was, you know, you mentioned uh, Pat Flynn and one of his biggest messages is be everywhere. And I think for a lot of people, that's not necessarily the right answer. I'm not saying it's wrong, but I, I think what you mentioned, I think it's actually there's a lot of power in being focused on one particular thing. What are your thoughts on that? I think Pat Flynn is an incredibly smart entrepreneur and I agree with mm -hmm. everything that he says. Now, one mm -hmm. thing that Pat Flynn does go into that I completely agree about the be everywhere strategy is not that you want to specifically be everywhere uniquely. You can mm -hmm. repurpose your yourself to be everywhere. Mm -hmm. Now, let me explain that. For Entrepreneur on Fire, I do 30 interviews every single month. They go live. So that's an incredible amount of content that's going live through my podcast. Now, I don't have the time to go and then run a YouTube channel with brand new daily content as well. That would just be not possible. But I need to be represented in YouTube because YouTube's an incredible place to be found by people that are searching for specific content. So what did I do? I just took my podcast, did a screenshot of that guest uh, about me page, played the audio of that interview in the background while that screenshot was going, and then just pasted that interview or posted that interview in YouTube. So now every single day, a new YouTube video goes live and I was able to train my VA to do this. So it's not even taking up any of my time where I'm being exposed on YouTube by just repurposing my content. So I think it is important to try to be everywhere where you can by repurposing what you're focused on. Mm. No, I think that's actually a great, um, 
kind of um, refinement of that message. And maybe it was just a, a misinterpretation on my no, end. I no, I think, think you interpreted it exactly correct. Yeah. You are you should try to be everywhere, but at the same time, when you want to be so focused on something and known for something, you just mm -hmm. need to be inventive and be able to repurpose what you're doing in those other areas. Yeah, no, I think that's there's a lot of power in that. How it, on a note like that, then how is your YouTube? How, you bring in numbers through YouTube. Do you monitor that at all? I definitely monitor YouTube, and you know the numbers aren't great because I mean, who is going to want to you know YouTube is videos. Who's going to want to stare at a screen that's just a screenshot of an about me page and mm -hmm. listen to different entrepreneurs' um, journeys? Well, the fact of the matter is, is that you and I both know this pretty well. Is that when somebody does get to a actual long interview that they want to listen to, you know, specifically watching two talking heads talk isn't going to mm -hmm. be, isn't really that exciting. So people always put that in the background and then they go and they do their email or they mm -hmm. are looking mm -hmm. at some other things that they're doing, some other mindless task that they're doing throughout the day. And they're listening to that content in the background. And that's how people are using my YouTube channel. They're pressing the play button and then they're just minimizing it. And then they're going about and doing other things while they're taking in this content. So my YouTube channel is getting hundreds of views a day, hundreds um, hmm. of people that are that are finding Entrepreneur Fire through this. And then a lot of these people are saying, wow, this is actually a show that I do want to go and subscribe on iTunes to. So because of that, I'm getting hundreds of views a day of potentially new subscribers to the podcast and helping to grow my numbers at my base camp, which is Entrepreneur Fire, the podcast, iTunes. Right. I was just going to say, essentially, then that the power in that YouTube and these other avenues that you go through is to bring them back to your essential platform, right. which for you is the podcast. Yes. No, that's brilliant. So then I guess the next question I have for you is what's on the horizon? You, you mentioned it's, you know, kind of tough to to choose what you want to do next with all these opportunities. What is on the horizon for you? I've, I've noticed a couple of things that you're you seem to be um, getting into, but but tell us a little bit about what's on the horizon if, if you're um, willing to and if you're able. Yeah, I'm surely willing to do that. I'm a huge believer in the brand. So I'm really trying to continue to build the brand of Entrepreneur on Fire. My daily format, you know, that's my gold. <clears throat> Nothing is going to change in that arena. It's still going to be a daily show with incredible and inspiring entrepreneurs going out every single day, seven days a week, 30 days a month. But I'm also going to be building out the Entrepreneur on Fire brand itself to serve entrepreneurs in more and different ways. I'm looking to create products and services. I've recently uh, published a book called Podcast Launch, which you mentioned, and mm -hmm. that's the number one selling book in Amazon with over 75 five-star reviews in mm -hmm. under podcasting. So it's mm -hmm. really been a great experience to get exposed to the Amazon store. Again, that's that be everywhere strategy. I just repurposed what I knew with podcasting, created a book, and now I'm being found in Amazon by people being like, oh, who's this John Lee Dumas guy? And then checking out what I'm all about and continuing to draw in more people that way. I mentioned to you about how successful I've been of taking just a podcast, because that's all Entrepreneur on Fire is. It's just a podcast. And turning that mm -hmm. within six months of launch to a six-figure business, like that is quite an accomplishment for anybody in any field, let alone you know somebody that's just launched for the first time their very first podcast. So I'm creating a product that's called Six Months to Six Figures, A Podcaster's Journey. And that's just going to be the entire step-by-step -step process of how I create Entrepreneur on Fire, 
how I found my guests, how I grew my audience, how I monetize, how I reached out to sponsors, the whole shebang. I reveal it all. And that's an example, Tom, of creating a product so as an entrepreneur, you can become scalable. You can leverage your time. Mm -hmm. I'm going to be spending a ton of time on this product, but once it's complete, then it's scalable. Then it's just out there for consumption. People can come and buy and learn. And that's exactly what I want to be moving towards is the creation of products, services, and that entrepreneur on fire brand. Yeah, I think there's a lot of power in that, John. And you mentioned uh, not only that, but there's something that I was, I was thinking of before um, regarding that book. It, it just Amazon, again, it almost it kind of makes me think in the same vein that YouTube is, is kind of this conduit. I think Amazon is kind of a conduit then for you as well. Um, to, to build Entrepreneur on Fire and then you can expand out with these programs. I think that's um, that's incredible. Um, I'm curious, when you started, were you doing it all by yourself? or Because I know you'd mentioned virtual assistants and I kind of want to get into that a little bit. But I'm curious, did you start out just hustling this by yourself or did you start out with VAs knowing exactly how you were going to do it? I started bare bones, lean startup. I had no VAs. It was just me, a computer, and a microphone, and I did it all. Mm -hmm. And then as the business was kind of starting to gain some momentum and start to take off a little bit, then I started bringing on virtual assistants to help me leverage my time by taking control of the social media, by doing some design work for me, from doing some posting for me on the website, et cetera. Just little things that I didn't want to do that were potentially repetitive tasks that I my time could be mm -hmm. better spent elsewhere. So whenever I found mm -hmm. that there was enough work that warranted a full-time VA to come in, I always did that as soon as possible. And now I have full, uh, two full-time virtual assistants who are working 40 hours a week for me. And just mm -hmm. actually this month, uh, as of May 1st, I'm really excited. I brought on my first really um, just entrepreneur on fire member, Kate Erickson, who's going to be the content uh, creation director for Entrepreneur on Fire. She's based here out of the United States as well. And she's going to be just busting her hump on a weekly basis. All she does is Entrepreneur on Fire. That's her sole focus. And she's just going to be creating incredible content, stuff on the website when it comes to actual blog articles and art and just entrepreneurial articles in general, guest posting on other sites, just that creation of content that's so important when it comes to building a brand. So Entrepreneur on Fire is growing as a business. I'm looking to grow very organically and slowly. Mm -hmm. I, I'm not looking to take this to this huge level where I have all of a sudden I wake up and there's 50 employees. That's not what I'm looking for. I'm looking to keep it small, tight, and lean and agile and to serve the entrepreneur. That's my goal. Sure. So my question then for the bootstrapper, I think this would apply to, you mentioned that as soon as you saw that there was some repetitive tasks that you were doing that you would you wouldn't hesitate to get a you know a full-time virtual assistant where it was appropriate. My question is, you mentioned that you you didn't have you weren't making income from uh, entrepreneur on fire in the beginning. Um, if you're not making money from, for example, and this this is you the plural you. So if somebody's not making money from whatever their business is, if it's kind of the same kind of lean startup where they might not have income coming in, but there might be these repetitive tasks, at what point should somebody say, yeah, I'm going to hire a virtual assistant for this? As soon as you can, because honestly. 
they are very reasonable. They are so cheap. If you go to places like Virtual Staff Finder, Chris Ducker mm-hmm. there has created an amazing program where you pay a $400 upfront one-time fee. You tell them exactly the kind of virtual assistant you're looking for, what skills you want them to have. They are on the ground in the Philippines. They go out, they find you incredible people that would that fit your specifications. They come back to you with three potentials. You can vet those people out. You can you actually interview them over Skype. You can hire one, two, or all three of them if you choose. And the the average pay is between four to six hundred dollars a month, and that is a huge paycheck for these virtual assistants. They can't make nearly that kind of money doing anything else in the Philippines. And the beauty for them is not only are they making an, a phenomenal paycheck for what their cost of living is they also are learning incredible skills that are making them really invaluable. They're not just you know, pulling up sugar canes or whatever else people in the Philippines do. Mm-hmm. They're literally learning incredibly valuable skills for the 21st century. So my two virtual assistants both come from the Philippines. I pay them both $500 a month. They both could not be happier with that income because it fully supports them and their family. And then some, it's a higher wage again than they can get anywhere else. And... It's been a great experience. They are so loyal and they work so hard. Yeah, I know. It's definitely got my head spinning thinking about the possibilities. I think it's really fascinating, actually. And something I've been thinking about probably for a long time. I'm, I'm, you mentioned the name of what, Chris, Chris uh, Dr- Ducker? Ducker? Yep. Ducker, yeah. And I, I know I've, I've seen him before and, and read some of his material or, or heard him on a podcast before. Maybe it was a Smart Passive Income podcast, but... Um, yeah, I, I think the whole concept of virtual assistant is, is pretty interesting. Were you nervous at all um, outsourcing any piece of your work? No, I wasn't nervous because I knew that I was going to be very meticulous on the training and I knew that I was really going to have them be prepared before I set them free, so to speak, and give them some really specific parameters. So if you go in with that, you train them well and then you set them free, then you really can expect good things. And I mean... You know, one of the one of my virtual assistants has been running my social media, for, you know, for months now without a hitch. And I mean, there's been no issues. There's been nothing but positive feedback from everybody. And the amount of time that she saves me every week is incalculable because I just wouldn't be able to even do it. So I wouldn't even have a social media platform. But now, as it stands, you know, I'm approaching thirteen thousand Twitter followers. You know, twenty two hundred you know, Facebook fans, um, you know, Google Plus, LinkedIn groups. I mean, it's incredible what she's created. Right. And that's essentially starting from zero um, less than a year ago. Is six, that about yeah, right? Yeah, six and a half months ago, zero, everything. Jeez, that's crazy. That's crazy. So how do you, how's your lifestyle changed then since then? Has it gotten, I mean, is it getting crazy or have you been able to manage it the whole way through doing this kind of outsourcing, through taking it one small step I've at a managed time. it. I mean, from day one, I was putting in 60 to 70 hours a week. That hasn't changed. I'm still working 60 to 70 hours a week. But it's for a business that I love. It's for a business that I own. It's my baby. So I'm passionate about it. It's not hard for me to be working until 9, 10 p.m. at night if I need to certain times. And, you know, I don't go overboard. I take vacations and I take weekends and I do different things. But for the most part, you know, I eat, live, and breathe Entrepreneur on Fire, and it's a happy existence because it's all I need. I lead a very simple life. You know, I keep my overhead very low. I mean, that $13,000 of sponsorship income per month is way more than it takes me to run my business and live my life. So it's just, 
great to be in a situation now where I can just sit back and continue to create having that just monthly income coming in at that level that's just taking care of everything and just allowing me to focus on continuing to create incredible content and continue to create other income streams. Yeah, I was just going to say, it seems like that would free your mind at least a little bit, that burden that I'm sure a lot of entrepreneurs have when they're first starting out of, of surviving. And now you're moving from that survival point to okay, now I'm, I'm kind of free to pursue these different creative projects. And so I'm sure that's got your mind spinning on all sorts of different creative stuff that Absolutely. you want to create. Absolutely. And bringing Kate on has just, again, done that as well because now she's working 40 plus hours a week. You know, she's a brilliant girl. So her mind's spinning in a bunch of different areas and she's able to take on challenges and tasks that I, you know, would never even have time to think of. Okay, cool. And I've got a, two more questions for you then on that note. How'd you find her? You mentioned, was she in the audience? And how, how do you, I guess, how would you vet employees then? Because now that you're moving from outsourcing to, it sounds like, uh, to some more full-time staff, how do you vet employees? <laughs> well, that's a good question. And, you know, I wasn't going to come out and say it because, um, you know, some people might have a mixed reaction to it. And I obviously don't recommend this for her across the board. But um, Kate mm -hmm. happens to be my girlfriend, my live-in girlfriend. And so she's okay. actually seen the growth of Entrepreneur on Fire from day one. She was an, an advertising executive uh, for a big advertising company locally here and was busting her butt and doing some great things with it, but has seen what Entrepreneur on Fire has become and wanted to become a part of it as I wanted her to become a part of it as well. And so, you know, we talked about it and made the slow transition over a couple months to when it made sense. And then she made that leap. And it's been a great experience. Of course, you know, there's pros and cons to everything. I mean, <laughs> you definitely have to try to draw mm -hmm. lines and boundaries when it's your significant other as Kate is mine. So it's not mm -hmm. going to, you know, just be this, you know, match made in heaven, so to speak, in a worker's world. We're going to have to work through this. I'm coming into it very eyes wide open. But, you know, we've been together mm -hmm. for a long time. I know her very well and I know how our relationship stands. So I felt very comfortable mm -hmm. bringing her in. So that being said, I believe that the best advice the audience can take is you really need to vet people by seeing what you feel like their honest intentions are. I mean, I really want to bring people in who have a genuine interest in improving what I have as my vision. And Entrepreneur on Fire's vision is inspiring millions. That's the most important thing to me. I want to provide value to entrepreneurs first and foremost and see what follows. So people that are looking to bring in others to their organization need to really understand, first of all, they need to understand what their core values are and their vision and mission is, and then make sure that the people that they bring on understand that because it's easy to erode. Absolutely. I was just going to say, you might be able to, uh, you might have another ebook or another, you know, full fledged published book on, on your hands there. Um, how to, uh, successfully, um, you know, work with family members um, or or friends or family, people that are very close to you on your couples business on, and still maintain the same. On fire. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Right. Cool. Well, John, I got one yeah. more question for you. And it's uh, what is your favorite? What what book would you recommend to the audience? What's your favorite business? So my book? favorite business book is really my favorite business advice in general. So let me just premise since this is the last question. I'm glad you said that because I want to kind of give one final message with this book is Absolutely. my always the piece of business advice that I give to entrepreneurs when I'm talking to them is just start. I'm not saying 
take that massive leap into the abyss, quit your job and just throw it all behind and then go at it full force. I'm not saying that. People have bills, they have responsibilities, you have mortgages, you have car payments, you have kids, what, whatever you have, you have responsibilities and take those very seriously. But at the same time, just start. Wake up 30 minutes earlier, wake up 30 minutes later and just start doing something that's gonna get you closer to your passions, to your dreams, to your entrepreneurial goals. Do something. At the end of six months, you'll be amazed at how far you've come with that six months of work that you've put in just one hour a day, every single day, commit to it and you'll be amazed. And then at the, at the end of that six months, you in fact might be ready to make that leap, but it will be a lot less scary of a leap and it'll be a lot less risky of a leap if you take this advice. Number two, mm -hmm. the book that goes along with this advice is called The Compound Effect by Darren Hardy. Mm -hmm. He's the founder of Success Magazine, it's a great magazine, but he wrote the book, The Compound Effect, and that talks so eloquently about how just taking small steps in life, just doing small things on a day-to-day -day basis adds up to such massive change over time that it's incredibly powerful. So realize that these 30 to 60 minutes you're spending every day, while it may not seem like you're making a lot of progress at the beginning, will add up to huge things in the long run. And I think if anybody's a testament to that, it's you, John. <laughs> thank you, Tom. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for being on the show today, John. For all the listeners out there, you can find John at entrepreneuronfire.com. I highly suggest checking out his podcast. It's uh, it's fantastic, and you'll never run out of content. <laughs> essentially, so <laughs> so subscribe. It's 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 like the uh, the infinite fountain. So, John, thank you so much for being on our Tom, show. Tom, it was my pleasure. Thank you. And that wraps up In the Trenches, broadcast 13. If you're interested in checking out the show notes, go to tomworkus.com slash broadcast 13. That's the number 13. Also, if you enjoy this broadcast and you've listened to any of the other In the Trenches broadcasts, then I'd ask you to go check out iTunes and leave a rating and a review. Uh, you know, the more re ratings and reviews that uh, the show gets, the greater its reach and exposure. So if you enjoy listening to this podcast, please spread the word. And uh, one of the best ways you can do that is by leaving a positive review on iTunes if you think it deserves it. So thank you in advance for doing that. As always, this is Tom Marcus. If you're listening to this, you are the resistance. Thank you for listening to In the Trenches. Your creative work doesn't stop here. Join the resistance, the small but growing army of entrepreneurs and artists putting a dent in the world at www.tommorkis.com. Never fight alone. Join the resistance. <laughs>